change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podski Wee. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, we are back. We took a one-month hiatus. Uh, I'm not calling you out, but it was mostly mostly your call, although I agreed mm-hmm. with it. You didn't want to talk about the game that quickly after the game. And then mm-hmm. with the with the Grey Cup being, what was it, December 12th, Christmas right around the corner, New Year's right around the corner, there's more important things in life than discussing a heartbreaking Grey Cup final loss again. For the what third time we've done it on the show, starting yes. to get a little old, but here we are anyway. So we decided to take a little bit of a break. It was it was your call, but I, I agree with it. But you're ready, you're ready now. So I think breaking down the game of a month ago, I don't know. I mean, we'll talk about certain aspects of the game, sure. But I think this is more a cathartic, therapeutic episode that we're going to do here. We're just going to kind of. I said my piece on three down. I'm going to kind of be your therapist here. Let you get what you need to get off your chest. And we'll, we'll just kind of go back and forth about uh, what I think. And this is my opinion. I'm curious to get, this was the most disappointing gray cup loss that I think we've suffered through in all these gray cup losses of the last few years. And I Mm -hmm. say that for two reasons. One, it was at home. And two, this was really the only one, I mean, this is the only one that they ever had a lead in. They were up 22 to 10 in this game in the second half, and they lost. In the other games, they got blown out uh, by Winnipeg in 2019. They got blown out by Saskatchewan in 2013. And in 2014, it was a close game, but the Stamps led wire to wire. This one was different. They had a halftime lead. They built on that lead. It was at home. The crowd, I don't know what it felt like on television, but I can tell you sitting in the crowd that was 85% Ticats fans, it was freaking loud. It felt it, it felt like it was it was going to happen and then it didn't and they lost in overtime and you could have heard a pin drop. Yeah, there was obviously Winnipeg fans there and fans of other teams cheering for the Bombers, but it was I wasn't mad, I was sad. I was I was sad when the game was over because this felt like this should have been the one. So how did how did you feel? Well, I, I felt the same way as you did. I, I felt sad. Um, there was no freaking out, um, throwing things uh, when the game was over. It was just kind of hang your head. All right, I'm uh, I'm going to bed type yeah. deal because like we had this one, man. We had it. You mentioned the the twelve point lead. In the second half, we had a 12-point lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And it just disappeared, slipped right through our fingers. And, you know, we had a chance to win it at the end there. We were inside the 10-yard line, and we couldn't punch it in. Um, 
that was that was our chance. That was our you know our fairy tale um, ending. You know, uh, Dean Evans goes down, Mazzoli comes in. It was um, tremendous. Yeah, he played he played great. And the funny thing was about that was I wasn't. I was okay with him coming into the game. I did. I didn't feel worried for some reason. I don't know why. I just felt, you know, a little bit of comfort that he was in the game, and uh, you know, my feelings proved out to be right because he played pretty well. Um, would I have liked to see Dean Evans play the whole game, sure, but uh, I thought, you know, Mazzoli was putting in a tough spot, and he and he performed pretty darn good. Where where do you think it went wrong? Because you mentioned twelve point lead, fourth quarter. There's obviously a lot of things that we're going to talk about from this game, conceding the single, the last play, uh, instead of they're down three inside the five, do you go for it to go for the win there to send it to overtime? There's only forcing the throw in overtime that ended the game. The penalty that took took away a, a big gain that was then pushed back and necessitated Mazzoli kind of making a... Not, I'm not gonna say a bad throw, but one like he had to force it in there somewhere because he had to make up the yards. Like where where did the where did this start to go go wrong? Because the defense was playing out of their mind. Like it, it felt like another like one of those games. We, we how many times do we see this year where they're up, they look like they're gonna just run away with it, and then they end up with another mm-hmm. loss. Like we saw this against the Argos, we saw this against the Owls. They did it again at home on and both those games happened at home too. On, on the biggest stage, where where what was the moment in the game where you think it kind of turned on its head? Well, there was the, you know we were in the uh, within the ten yard line um, three times. I think we settled for three field goals. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing. Um, uh, Kelly had his second interception, and uh, we didn't get any points off that. So that was a big deal. I thought um, you know giving up the single point. You know that's a big talking point amongst a lot of fans and a lot of media. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, they were going against the wind. They get the ball at the 35-yard line. Yes, if he didn't give it up, then we could have kicked the field goal for the win. But I think we gave up three rouges in that game, and I fucking hate the rouge. It's, like, <laughs> so stupid. Um, but that that doesn't matter. Uh, I just think that we didn't capitalize when we were in the red zone enough. Uh, you can't let the Bombers hang around, and that's exactly what they did. And... You know, the defense played lights out pretty much the whole game. But then when it came down to crunch time, the Bombers just made it look easy, just marching down the field for those two touchdowns. Um, so, you know, you, you you can say that the defense was great, and it was, but it seems that they fall apart at yeah. the end of games sometimes. And I don't know if that's a personnel thing or if that's a coaching thing if we're sitting back too much, but this is what's happening, and it, it happened again. Because you you mentioned the you know a couple games this season, well the Montreal game comes to mind where they had that last second touchdown. Um, so I think something needs to change there. We need to lock it down when we have the chance. Yeah, I I can't just it, it's they look great for fifty minutes and then because yeah, I think it was <clears throat> pardon me I think it was around ten minutes left in the game where they had the twelve point lead and I and I'm with you on the 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 red zone opportunities yeah. The last one in particular where they kicked the field goal, I thought they should have gone for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to beat Winnipeg kicking field goals. And they ultimately didn't beat Winnipeg kicking field goals. Um, I was tempted. Now, part of this is, and I said this to you before we recorded, I kind of forgot it was a three-point game in the last 
drive when they get all the way down to like the two yard line. And in my head, I'm going, okay, this last play of the game. It's either win or we lose. And then they tried out the field goal. You're just like, oh, yeah, they're down by three. They're going to kick it to go to overtime. I'm a, I'm a dope. I would have been tempted to go for it there. They nearly had it on the play before. It was a, I thought it was a drop because, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't gone back and watched this game. I will never go back and watch this game. I will. No, I, I, I watched the highlights. Um, I haven't thought, even seen those. Won't see them. Yeah, I, 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 I thought that he got his hand. There was a t- slight tip of the ball. Okay. But I thought it was a catchable ball. I really did. Okay. Um, Mazzoli could have thrown it better, but I thought it was a catchable ball. And, you know, people might think this is harsh, but, you know, Ackland has to catch that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that, it, obviously, I'm not a professional football player, but, you know, there was a slight tip. It was it changed direction a bit, but it was still a very catchable ball. He comes down with that ball. We win the Grey Cup. He's a hero in Hamilton. They're building so, a sta- statue. They're, bu- they're showing that that catch mm-hmm. is being yeah. is being immortalized in, in it silver. Was, it was a beautiful route. It was the right call. I thought he was open. Um, he just needs to catch that ball. It's just unfortunate. Yeah, because I, I took in my three down piece. I took some heat for calling it a drop. And people were like, mm-hmm. no, it was, he it got knocked away. It was a great defensive play. And it's like, I'll take your word for it. it Look like a drop from where I was sitting. And like I said, I haven't gone back and watched the game. I won't ever go back and watch the game. I mean, even if they won, I don't uh, know. If they won, I probably would have gone back and watched the mm-hmm. game. Um, mm-hmm. But I haven't watched the highlights. Like, I kind of, after that, kind of, like, ignored the CFL. Like, I just was – it's not like the game effect. Like, I went back to work. And, like, I was off for a few yeah. days after that. And the first day mm-hmm. back at work, everyone's like, how you feeling? Like I'm like oh no I like I'm it's a football game like at the end of the day it's a football game uh they they got to the final game of the year I say this all the time I'm I'm happy that they're competitive at the end like all those years and I know maybe this is a crutch and, may, and people can make fun of me whatever you can call me an idiot if you want to all those years when they didn't matter after Labor Day it's just nice for them to matter so it's mm-hmm. like I'll take what I can get I I'm old enough now to know they're not going to win every year it'd be nice if they won one year don't get me wrong but it's like they're in the last game of the year. You can't complain too much, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to go back and review it. And there was so much other stuff going on. Christmas was around the corner. The NFL was still in full swing. College football was, was going hard. Like the bowl games were coming up. So like, there's other things to distract me, which was kind of nice. So I kind of tuned out the CFL for for a little while. Um, I tuned out everything. I was just mad at football yeah. completely. I, I like, I don't know. I couldn't watch football for a little bit. I'm back into it now. Um, and, and I'm with, I'm with you, you know, I, you know, it doesn't affect me. Like I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to call in sick to work for a yeah. week or something like that, yeah. you know, but just, you know, I would think about it for a second. I'd be like, uh, I'd just be disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 yeah it's, it's, it's a, like, I think I tweeted out, I didn't tweet out during the game cause I was at the game and I never usually tweet all that much when I'm, when I'm at the game. Um, but obviously people knew he's they're going to podcast about it. He's going to write about it. So I was just like, my only kind of thought was, and I, and I kind of, I didn't realize I was stealing it from Ted Lasso, but I, I wrote and rewatched Ted Lasso recently and it came from there. And it's the, it's the hope that kills you. Like mm-hmm. for the first time, like everything was lining up for this to be the cathartic ending to this interminable drought. And it, you're, you get your hopes up. Like, I was high-fiving, and I was hugging strangers. I know you shouldn't do that in the middle of a pandemic, but I was hugging people beside me that I didn't know because we were so freaking excited at how this team was – we were finally going to do it. At home. You at know, home, just, in front of a yeah. sold-out crowd. 
and then it doesn't happen. So it's 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 the hope that that kills you. It's mm-hmm. if if this is a blowout like it was in 2019, like by halftime, I'm probably just goofing around with my friends, having a good time, going, "Well, we got one more, we got another half of this to go, and we're gonna we're gonna it's gonna be miserable." But hey, you know what? There's always next year. But for it to be so close for this team to have their first lead in a Grey Cup in 20 something since since 1999, it just uh, it, it made me just not want to, I wanted to divorce myself from, from the league. Like you said, you gave up on football. Yeah. I didn't, I came home. I mean, I think the Sunday night game was on. Oh, I had money on the set. That's what I hadn't, I think it was the Packers yeah. and Bears. So I had money on the game. So I was kind of curious how it went, but I was just like, I get home and I'm just, I was just sad. Like a, a <laughs> n- like a numb feeling. You know what I mean? Like, yep. yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It was just like, okay. And then the next day I woke up and I'd won a couple bucks on, on the Packers covering the spread. And, all right, well, what's the Monday night game? Like, I, I just kind of was able to, all right, let's move on. And I, I, I don't blame you for, for being like, I'm done with it all. Like, I get that feeling too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what about the, we, we, we got to talk about it because it's a talking point that I, it's probably the reason most people are going to listen to the show. What are your thoughts on them giving up the single to make it a three-point game? Uh, it's it's so tough. Um Obviously, I think, you know, looking back on it now, you should have brought it out of the end zone. Um, and I heard that, you know, Coach O told him that it's his choice. But I think you got to say, you know, either way, you know, you got to say bring it out or mm-hmm. or kneel down, like definitive answer, because that stupid point is uh, the reason. Well, not the reason. It's one of the reasons why, you know, we're not great cup champions right now. Um, yeah, I look, I saw the, you know, some screenshots. It looked like he had enough room to get it out to, you know, around the 35 maybe. So, but, but you never know, right? Yeah. Um, the butterfly effect, you, you do something different. You could have fumbled the ball, you know, whatever, something could but have happened. What bad. defense does Winnipeg play knowing they're protecting to the 35, 30, 35 yard line for a field goal to win the game versus, all they can do, if, even if they, the only thing they can do to beat us is score a touchdown, a field goal just ties it, we go to overtime. You know what I mean? Like, right. that yeah. changes the two. I disagree with taking the point. Like, I would have brought it out. I mm-hmm. saw, I can't remember, again, it's been so long ago, but there are people arguing both sides of it. And someone was like, look at the time he would have saved. And it's like, okay, but he, they kicked the field goal with like seven seconds left. I think yeah. there were four seconds on the clock or something in and about there when they kicked off to end the game why you could you would take in those seconds to get the ball out let's say they get it to the 30 and then you're if if everything happens the same way like they don't even have to drive that deep like no or maybe they do with the kicker that way but he had a good game so. he did it he did it, yeah I, yeah. I, yeah and like the, it was pretty windy there that that night mm-hmm. so like it wasn't exactly like pristine do you think conditions. that's why jeff reinbold's gone it has something to do with that because it just it's weird isn't it weird that like he leaves the Tiger Cats to go to the Alouettes for the same position. The same position, like maybe if it was like defensive coordinator. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's a little strange. Yeah, I might not have anything to do with that, but even even so, it's still a little strange. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like, I I hate to speculate just because I don't mm-hmm. know. It 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 feels like an easy sort of jump to make. Like, I I get the leap yeah. where you're like special teams was an issue. You know what I mean? Like, I I understand that. I'm with you, though, when it comes to – I think Orlando Steinhauer is a fabulous head coach. I don't think there's a better head coach for this team than him. 
Uh, I think he's one of the two or three best head coaches in the league. Thankfully, he's staying. Oh, and just as a side note, we're going to get into all the news next week. Um, Steinauer staying, the Reinbold thing. Uh, we're only going to touch on one piece of news today. This is, like I said, this is therapy <clears> from the Grey Cup, right? Um, I just don't want people to be like, they're not talking about this, not talking about that. We'll cover it next. We're going to do another show next week. We'll cover all that stuff then. Um, set, having said that, all that about Orlando Steinauer, you can't let a rookie American player make that call on what was the biggest kickoff of the season. You have to, as the head coach, make a decision. It can't be leaving it up to the player. You have to say, bring it out or take a knee. Either way, whatever the decision is, he has to make that decision. I think him coming out and saying like it was up to him, it's maybe the only misstep I've seen Steinhauer make as head coach with this team when it comes to stuff like that. Because that tells that's now you're putting all the pressure and all the blame on the rookie who otherwise was really good this year and really good in this game. Like Tim White was a was played really well in the Grey Cup and played really well as like Devere Posey wasn't on this team because of how well Tim White had played. I just don't think you can put that on a guy who's in his what, 20th-ish game in the CFL with the different rules, having played American football all those years, I'm sure it was pounded into his head. If you take a knee in the end zone, it's a single point. If it was me, I would have said, stand at the goal line. If the ball goes over your head, let it go. If it doesn't get out the back of the end zone, okay, shit happens. Grab the ball, take a knee. We're still, a, a touchdown wins it, a field goal ties it. I get it. But if it rolled out the back of the end zone without anyone touching it, you get the ball to 25 and there's no single point and they're driving down the field for the game-winning field goal. I think that's the mistake that was made is not knowing – again, I won't say not knowing that rule because I'm sure the head coach knows that rule. But that would have been – those would have been my instructions. Stand at the goal line. Let the ball go over your head if it does. If it rolls out the back of the end zone, awesome. We get field position, no time off the clock, and we have a chance to win the game. If you have to field it – Field it and get it the hell out of there. That would have been my call, and I think Steinhauer needed to make the decision his and not leave it in the players' hands. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Actually, it's like it's a huge point, and yeah, you can't be, um, you know, giving a rookie like you said, you know, the option of doing this or doing that. You know, it's just too much pressure on a guy. It is way too much pressure. So, um, I I love Coach O as well, but that uh, you know. A questionable decision on his part. If it was a veteran, if it was Speedy, if Banks is back there, yeah, I I leave it in his hands. He's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. How many kickoffs, punts, et cetera, has he returned in his career? If it's that guy, I'm going, okay, fine. If it's, I know he wasn't playing. If If they had to say like a Braylon Addison on kickoff duty, I'd leave that in his hands. A rookie though, I think the head coach has to be more definitive when it comes yep. to something like that, especially in those big moments. That's why Steinhauer is the head coach. He's there to make those decisions. I like the fact that he leaves things up to his players in general, but I think in this specific instance, he needed to be the one to, to make the final decision. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, what else is there you want to talk about? Uh, the three, you know, it's the three punts that were totally flubbed. By oh Rickford. yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about the team and all that stuff going forward in the next episode, but you got to find the, you got to figure out the kicking 
You gotta, you just have to. There's a couple things you have to figure out with this team, but the kicking and the punting is one of them. Yeah, I. When he did it the first time, I was like, okay, wins, I get it. It happens. It happens. You know. Second time, you're like, eh. all right. Third time, you're like, oh Jesus Christ! Like, just yeah. let someone else kick. Like, it's it's been an issue for this team for as long as we can. Like, aside from like. Justin Medlock. And the thing is, the guy on the other side of the field, who was the place kicker, used to kick here. Mm-hmm. And I know that he was in BC and they traded him to Winnipeg and he was only going to really go to Winnipeg. I understand all that. But the guy who kicked for the Bombers, in my opinion, should have been the MVP. I'm Claros won it, didn't he? He won game MVP? Yeah, I don't even know. I yeah, I didn't see the aftermath. Yeah, neither did I. As soon as as soon as the interception was made and the bombers yeah. were celebrating, we got up. And we we yeah we we left, and I yeah. I couldn't even hear them talking about mm-hmm. it. Like as we're leaving the stadium, like we just got it, got the hell out of there. Um, I think Caleros was the MVP. Castillo should have been MVP in my opinion. I know it's like sacrilege. He's a kicker. If not for his kicks, they he he kicked the ball. I know it was wind aided. He kicked the ball that got them the single point that would allow them to get to overtime, and he had like five field goals. He, he accounted for most of their points. To me, he would have been MVP. He used to be a kicker for the Tie Cats, and if they would have had that guy instead of the guys they have, uh, maybe it's a different story. It possibly, possibly. I just want to. I had a thought in my head about that. Uh, you know, first down. Uh, within the ten yard line, like right at the end of the game, when we had a chance to win it, I thought they should have thrown on first down and then ran on second. Uh, and I know that's complete. Like you know, looking back at it, of course you'd say that, Mike. But I just think you might have caught them off guard. With I, I, I know that they were expecting the run with Don Jackson mm-hmm. um, on first down. They stuffed it, um, and then it's obvious they're passing right. So yeah. if it were me, you know, if I were a professional head coach or offensive coordinator, um, I think I would have tried the opposite of what they did. Well, and do play action. Yeah. Do, do play action, have Mazzoli boot out, and you have a couple options. If it's not there, he takes off and runs. Mm-hmm. If it is there, because like you said, they knew it was going to be a run on first down. If you hit him with play action, you might find someone, uh, uh, maybe mm-hmm. a Nikola Kalinich, maybe Acklin, whoever. You're going to find someone wide open, I, I would think. In my Again, this is a fan sitting on the couch who just watches a shit ton of football. The amount of times that I see in inside the five-yard line at in any football league, a play-action pass that just you see someone just you know scoot out, like kind of swing out and then into the flat, and they're just wide open. I've seen it so many times that it's like it feels like and again, I'm look, we're not professionals, obviously, and I'm not going to say that I know more about football than Tommy Condell and, and all those guys. But sometimes you can see and go, if you did that, I don't know. Some like you mentioned it, how many episodes ago? Man, I wish we would see more screen passes. And then as soon as they start doing screen passes, what do we see? They're picking up 30, 40, 50 yards on. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like it, I know these guys. I know that there's a lot more pressure. It's easy to say when you're sitting in the stands or sitting on your couch. But there's sometimes when I just go, I. I think I know what to like these situations. It feels like it should be easy to do. I'm, I'm 100% on board with you, man. In that situation, I think you do the opposite of what they did. And I think you, you might've caught them off guard. You, 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 you run the play action, you throw a pass. If it's not there, do a draw play because they're expecting a pass then. Okay. They, yeah. they threw it on first down. They're expecting do a drop. Like 
I don't know. And with the way Don Jackson played, I thought he was good in the Grey Cup. Obviously, he was great in, in most of the games he played in the lead-up to the Grey Cup. You get him behind a couple of those big boys, he might have found the end zone on the second. I don't know. I mean, we, we mm-hmm. could nitpick all the little things that they could have done. I would have gone for it on most of those. Almost almost every single time they were inside the five-yard line, they kicked the field goal, I'd have gone for it. Just because, especially with the way the defense was playing, you, you pin him back there. I don't think... I think it was the one in particular was the one I think it made it what twenty two went from nineteen ten to twenty two ten, so you made a mm-hmm. two score game a two score game. Yeah. If you score a touchdown there, and I think the, I think they kicked it from like the two yard line. If you score a touchdown there, the game is over. You're going to win the Grey Cup. You're going to be up sixteen or seventeen points. It's a three score game with ten minutes left. As good as the Bombers are, I don't think. They're coming back from that. I think everyone on the sidelines jacked. I think the defense is playing out of its mind. Still at that point, only giving up 10 points. I don't think the Bombers are making that comeback. If you don't get it, you pin them down at the two-yard line. and You're yeah, still up two scores, right? You're still you're still up nine. So yep. a touchdown, even if they score a touchdown, it doesn't tie the game or give them the lead. And I got to be honest with you, how many offenses do you think can go 108 yards? That's a lot to ask. In the Grey Cup, with the defense playing lights out, Winnipeg's offense... With the crowd behind the Exactly. Like, time and place, I think at that moment, if you... Because I think, I think not getting it wouldn't have deflated you as much as getting the touchdown would have elevated you. So the field goal just kind of felt like, uh, okay, it's a 12-point lead, but if they score two touchdowns, now, all of a sudden, you're down. And again, you're thinking, okay, there's 10 minutes left. They've scored one. Actually, at that point, I don't even think they scored a touchdown. I think your 10 points came from three field goals and, and a single. So, yeah. yeah. So, they hadn't even scored a touchdown yet. you got to think your defense is going gonna, is gonna to hold up. And I, I don't know. Again, it's the strength it's, of your team. It's been the strength of the team all yeah. season long. Yeah. you got to – yeah, I, I'm with you, man. It's like – Andrew Harris was fine. So even if you're like, oh, well, what if they just ride Harris down the field? It's like, okay, they're going to eat up a ton of time. Because, again, you gotta, you got to factor in the time it would take to get down 100-and-something yards. to the Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. even if you get stuffed, it might take them five or six minutes to march the field. And now you're talking about a two-point lead with four minutes left. You put together a drive, you can kick a field goal to put you up five with 30 seconds left, and the game's over. You know what I mean? Like... Mm-hmm. Uh, we could probably sit here all day and nitpick the little things because there was there was just a lot of little things in this game that went wrong. Like I, I can't remember who said it, but I, there was a famous football coach. It might have been Bill Parcells actually, who's like football games. There's two or three to five plays in a game that dictate the outcome of the game. If you get more of those in your favor than you don't, you usually win the game. All of the little things that could have happened didn't go the Tie Cats way, and that's why we sit here. Once again, lamenting another great cup loss. Yeah, uh, you know, four losses in uh, under ten years in the great cup. It's uh, it's getting a little old. You know what I mean? And, and I'm with you that you know we we've been through some tough years as Ticat fans, but it's time now. We Just have one. to. Yeah, I, we I have only to... ask for one. I'm only asking for one. Yeah, and you know this this core, you know, won't be around forever, right? I mean, these guys are getting older. Um, Simone's getting older, uh, Big Teddy's getting older, Brandon Banks is getting older. I'm going to have some interesting takes on our next episode about some guys that I think we need to uh, let go of. But mm-hmm. uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, it's just very, very disappointing, you know, just the way that we, and there's a funny pattern going on here. You know, we lost badly in Saskatchewan, and then it was a close game the next year. And then in 2019, we lost badly. And then the next Grey Cup, it was close again. So, you know, it's just a strange, you know, strange occurrences have been happening in these Grey Cup games. Yeah. Would you, despite all of it, despite how miserable it was post-game, despite how miserable it was in the immediate aftermath of the loss, would you still take the four Grey Cup losses over the last nine years versus what we saw when they were four and 14 every year? <clears throat> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it was not fun being a Ticat fan when, uh, you know, you're out of it by Labor Day, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. I'd take, you know, a good team, close to a great teams, uh, making it to the championship over, you know, horrendously bad teams. But uh, it's still I know it, 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 it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can actually put a championship team in there every now and then. And I understand mm-hmm. I understand where you're going to go there. Yeah, I think there needs to be some some adjustments, some new blood. And uh, we can hopefully, you know, obtain that uh, elusive championship. Hopefully. I mean, in two years' time, the game's going to be back here. And, I mean, I hope they're going for the, the repeat, quite honestly. But, I don't know, maybe maybe that's the year. That it quite frankly, ends. we need a team. We need to build a team that can beat the Bombers. Because yeah. it seems to me like I know that, you know, um, Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat have resigned. Uh, I think they're going to bring back a large portion of that championship team. So uh, we need to get our Ducks lined up and uh, we need to build a team that can beat the bombers because they're going to be i think they're going to be a powerhouse for at least you know a couple more years do you think that should be the focus over the teams in the east because i do i think winnipeg is hamilton's rival not toronto Mm -hmm. montreal i think and i'm not dismissing those teams the east is ours like i think if the ticats put together even i don't know how many guys are going to bring back what new guys are going to bring in But with this coaching staff, and we'll get to the quarterback in a second, I don't see any reason why this team won't be the favorite. I'm pretty sure if you go onto the sports books now, they're the number two or number three favorite to win the Grey Cup. I think they're the top team in the East. Like, the betters, and they're not stupid, think Hamilton is the best team in the East. I don't think – I know they were eight and six this year, and they they didn't get home field throughout the playoffs. Did you really think – and I, I, maybe it's hard to say because of our, our fandom. Did, did At any point, did you really think the Argos were better than, than Hamilton? I, I didn't. I, I know that's easy to say now, but I didn't ever at any moment think the Argos were a better team than the Tigers, except for maybe that last game they played in the regular season where you're like, oh, Jesus, they got hammered. But I went into the East Final super confident that Hamilton would win the game. I really did. The Argos now, Chris Jones, who was the mastermind of that defense, is gone. I know he was a consultant, but he was the goddamn defensive coordinator, no matter what they say. Who knows what's going to happen with that roster. I think the Argos are kind of a flash in the pan, quite honestly. I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll be a decent team this year, like upcoming. Um, Montreal kind of comes and goes as their quarterback goes, and they're in kind of the same boat. Ticats room with Jeremiah Mazzoli. You know what I mean? Like, I love Vernon Adams. I think he's a really exciting player, but he's hot and cold. Some some games he looks like, oh my God, he's the MOP. And some games you're like, how is he even allowed to play? You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Ottawa, yeah. until Ottawa shows me, like, I mean, Ottawa made one ex- exceptional move, and that's hiring Sean Burke as their general manager. I think the world of Sean Burke, I think that's a 
great hire for them. But you still have to be able to get the players. So for me, Ottawa is not even in the conversation. If that's the case, and, and I don't know if you agree with me, you're, you're welcome to disagree with me. If Hamilton rules the East, then their their competition is is in the West. And I don't think Calgary's going away anytime soon. The Riders... You think the Riders are going to make a big push for, you know, since the Grey Cup's there next year? I don't know. See, I don't know because how much of a push can you make when you've given Mm. your quarterback half a million dollars-ish? Like, there's still a salary cap in this league, and I know you can go over it, and the Riders went over it in 2013. I don't know if this one matters as much because that was the last one at the old stadium. They knew that that stadium was getting torn down. They knew they were getting a new one. This is not going to be the only Grey Cup they get in Regina. So, yes, I know there's always, especially for a team that's good, the Riders finished... Like, they went to the West Final two years in a row. So I understand that there's obviously, you know, you want to get to the next step, right? I don't know if this one means as much in, the, in, in the, like, the history of the franchise if they don't, get to, if they don't win this one. Yeah. But I still, I'm, I'm with you. I think Winnipeg kept essentially everyone. I don't think they lost any. They lost no one in their front office. Obviously, O'Shea's still there. I, I, I can't think, see Claro's going anywhere else either. I don't. I, was I, he, he's going to leave Winnipeg to go to Ottawa for like what extra money? No. Like, come on, get killed? Like exactly, yeah, exactly. So. Like he knows he's he's safe there. Yep. Um, they do a good job of protecting him. Um, yeah, I think that most of the, the those guys will be back at the bottom. Obviously, there's going to you know you're going to lose some of these guys, but for the most part, I think they'll have you know pretty close to the same roster. Mm-hmm. And maybe they'll find ways to get better, which is scary given yeah. how good they were this year. Um, but let's talk about our team. Let's move on to our team. Or I guess I should let you ask, answer the question. I, I posed a question to you. Is, is Hamilton, is, is the East ours? Do you, do you believe that as well? Yeah, I believe so. You know, Toronto put together a decent team last year. Um, but I, st- I still think going with McLeod, Bethel Thompson was the wrong move. Um, he's okay, but, uh, I don't think he's, you know, a legit um, you know, all-star starting quarterback um, that they think he is. And he's getting, he's, you know, he's, he's only like 32, 33, but, you know, that's getting up there a little bit. And they're, they're putting all, everything, you know, is uh, built towards him now. So um, I don't think Toronto, I think Toronto might be a good team next year. Montreal is questionable. I'm not sure. And Ottawa is, you know, uh, I think they have a rebuild to do there. It might be a couple more years before they're any good. So, yeah, I think, as of right now, the Tiger Cats are and should be the favorites in the East. Yeah, obviously a lot of that will depend on who they bring back, how adjustments they make to the roster. They're not the only team with a billion free agents. Uh, every no. team has a, a crap ton of free agents coming up. But there is one guy that is no longer a free agent, Mike. The Ticats have made their decision at quarterback. And their decision was locking up Dane Evans on a two-year contract. What are your thoughts? I think it was the right decision. Um, Mazzoli has been a fine quarterback for us, but he's just, uh, and he played a a damn good game in the Grey Cup, and and I I think highly of him. I really do, and I know you do too, but um, you had to go with Dane. Uh, He's 28 years old. He has uh, immense talent. He's a great quarterback. He's the future quarterback of this franchise, and uh, I think he's going to do great things in the hammer. And, And I know that he wants to be, with the tie cats. So uh, I think they made the right decision. I do too. Um, we've, we've been Mazzoli fans. We've, we've taken our slings and arrows for back in Mazzoli. Um, but I think ultimately 
this makes sense strictly for two reasons. One is age. Dane Evans, like you said, is 28. I think Jeremiah Mazzoli will be 33 when uh, when the season begins or, or it's during the season. I know 33 is not exactly ancient, but you can lock up a 28-year-old who's just hitting his prime. Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. The other thing is, and this is something we touched on before the might have been before the East final. It's Mazzoli's vaccination status. If yeah. he is, as everyone seems to claim, unvaccinated, he's not going to be able to play next year, no matter who he signs with. You, mm-hmm. as of I believe it's Saturday, you can't, I think, travel throughout the country or even enter the country without showing proof of vaccination. So unless Jeremiah Mazzoli plans to live full time in Canada, which I highly doubt, you come from the San Francisco Bay area and live down there. I can't imagine you'd want to trade that in for the miserable weather up here in Canada most of the year. If he doesn't get his jabs, he's not going to be able to play. And if he's not going to be able to play, it's no use signing him. So now that's not saying like a, not saying I, he, he isn't vaccinated, although most people seem to say he isn't. So we'll work with the assumption that he's not. And two, it's not to say that he won't get vaccinated, but I think you brought this up on the episode we did about this. If he hasn't done it now, when's he going to do it? Mm-hmm. So it kind of almost made this a no-brainer. If yeah. if the one guy can't play, if he's not allowed to come into the country, well, then you got to go with the other guy. And I think exactly. ultimately that decision is the right one anyway. Um, I think you just go with the with the younger player. I think that's just the right call. Yeah, yeah. I I think just um, you know, I think this team is Dane's team. I think they you know they play harder for him. Um, maybe not that, maybe that's the wrong wording, but I think they just get, you know, uh, more confidence when he's in the game. Uh, I could be completely wrong about that, but I think he's, I just like Dane Evans a lot. I just think he has a lot of leadership skills. Um, I like his poise in the pocket. I like how confident he is, um, how he throws the ball. I think he has a strong arm. Uh, I think he can win championships for this team. And uh, I got my, and it's, it's been a long time since we had a guy that we groomed, you know what I mean? I was like, just going to say that. Yeah. So I, I think that he's a tiger cat and uh, he's, he's locked up for the next two years. And I think there's going to be some, uh, some great success. I could see an MOP in his future in the next two years. I really could. Can, can you remember the last homegrown quarter? I, I can't like, was Mike Kerrigan brought in? That's a, that's a good question. He, I can't remember him. I know he played for Toronto afterwards, but yeah, I don't. Did he come in with the Cats? I, I, I'm not sure. Because like, I, if, I, if I had to, I'd say yes or no. I'd, I'd bet I'd lean yes, but because I, I don't recall him playing for anyone else before the Tiger Cats. But I was only one years old when it was you know, <laughs> 1986. So, yeah, because yeah. McManus obviously bounced around a number of teams. wasn't a homegrown mm-hmm. guy. Uh, they went from him to Jason Moss. They went from Moss to Casey Printers. Quentin Porter was brought in by the Ticats, but he never did anything with the team. Um, mm. Then they moved on to Kevin Glenn. I mean, he played for everybody. Uh, then it was Burris. Caleros came in with the Argos. Mazzoli. Mazzoli is mostly groomed in Hamilton, but he came in with Edmonton. So the, to me, that that doesn't count. Um, I like. I know. Uh, what were some of the other backups we had? Jeff Matthews, Ja'Cory Harris. Like Matthews played, brought it, but again. 
this is the first guy. I'm going to say Kerrigan. I'm not entirely sure. And I mean, I guess we could look it up, but I mean, what, what are we, if we're not going to rampantly speculate about things we don't know about, what, what's the point of even doing the damn show? Yeah. And I know that doesn't, that shouldn't matter. Like, oh, he's brought into like who, I don't care where you get a quarterback from. Right. If yeah. you, if you win, you win. Um, and my only concern, and this is, this is, this is nitpicking, but two of his worst performances were in the two championship games he played. And now, granted, uh-huh. he didn't play much this year. He did right. not and look good to start neck, the game. He had, that neck, he had a neck injury yes. going into the game as well. But I agree. you're right. You're right. You're completely right. It was the offense was not playing well when he was in the game. No. And the bombers were, you know, the offensive line wasn't helping out a lot. Um I thought I thought they got a lot better as the game went on. Um but Dane was feeling the pressure and he he didn't play so hot. So that would be my only concern, I guess would be the way to put it, with with putting all your eggs in in Evan's basket is in the biggest situations, the biggest games of the year every time he's played, he hasn't looked great. But that can be, you know what, I say that, and one of the talking points that I used to say about uh, – uh, Peyton Manning, I, I, well, I really, about any quarterback, you can't win the big one until they win the big one. Like, it's always going to be a talking point until they actually get them over the hump. But I did see an interesting thing. I think the Ticats put it out about Evans as a starter. He started 18 games. He's 12-6, and six, and quarterback wins are not a stat. But I'm just saying, the team is 12-6 and six in his 18 starts. So this would be a full season. 70% completion, almost 5,000 yards, 29 TDs to 18 picks. Six rushing touchdowns on top of it. If that's what his his seasons look like, I'm okay with that. I mean, the interceptions yeah. I would hope would come down, but I mean, thirty touchdowns, thirty five touchdowns to eighteen interceptions. That's mm-hmm. not so bad. Thirty five no, total touchdowns. Seventy percent. I mean, you yeah, can't, you don't see that. You just. Well, don't. I mean, you, how often do you see guys go sixteen for sixteen in a playoff game? Right. Exactly. Against a you know a, a Chris Jones defense that's can be very confusing for quarterbacks. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think, you know, I'm very excited that Evans is locked up for the next two years. And, and the uh, number. High 300s, low $400,000. And then I saw, I think it was Dave Naylor put out, he's behind, currently, Mike Riley, Cody Fajardo, Bo Levi Mitchell, and Vernon Adams without Zach Caleros, who's probably going to make more. I mean, he's won back-to-back Grey Cups, won the MLP, won a Grey Cup MVP. Zach Clark should probably rightfully be the highest paid player in the league, no? Yeah, I, I would say so, yeah. He's the number one guy right now. Mazzoli's going to hit free agency if he's coming in league. He's probably going to get Ottawa. It seems like the only – Ottawa or Edmonton seems like the only logical landing point. They're probably going to give him quite a bit of money. He might even jump. I might the, be – I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in a different league. Oh, you think the, the, oh, no. like the XFL or, or – Yeah, maybe, yeah. Like, yeah no, I, could, he, I mean, if he's not vaccinated, he's not coming to Canada. Yeah. But, and then you got Trevor Harris, and you still got McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Those guys, to me, shouldn't make more than Dane Evans, but they're free, and if teams start bidding on them, you never know. If Dane Evans goes into the season with those stats, having played in back-to-back Grey Cups, having been the reason the Ticats got to back-to-back Grey Cups, because he was the starter in 19 for most of the season, and he came in in relief this year in the East Final. If he doesn't come in in relief in the East Final, that game would have been Toronto and Winnipeg, mm-hmm. not Hamilton and Winnipeg. And he's the fifth or sixth highest paid quarterback. That's a goddamn bargain. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not paying Mazzoli, you know, yeah. a big amount of money as well. So 
you know, there's ways that they can free up cap space and, uh, you know, move things around, you know, change it up, maybe build up that O-line a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I, 300,000, uh, 350,000, whatever it is, uh, I think that's that's a steal for the Tiger Cats. Yeah, if he's, like, I low four, so if he's making 410, mm. and guys like Fajardo are making nearly five, and I yeah. get it, Riley, Riley's making that, and Mitchell's making that, I understand because they're, but he's making less than Vernon Adams. No offense to Vernon Adams. I, like I said, I like Vernon Adams. But he's way more hot and cold than Dane Evans is. I trust Dane Evans. If, if you if you had Montreal and Hamilton in a do-or-die game and asked me who I'm riding with at quarterback, I'm much more comfortable with Dane Evans than I am with Vernon Adams. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I don't know. This it's, it's, it's that time of year, right? And, and I think we talked about it before we recorded. Ticats don't sign anyone. Everyone's like... When are the Ticats going to do something, goddammit? When are the Ticats going to do something? I feel like, and this is purely my own gut instinct, they wanted to get the quarterback thing done, and now you'll start seeing the flood of, okay, mm-hmm. the quarterback's here. Because I even, even saw it, like, Braylon Addison's like, can't wait to get back, and I I don't think he's a free agent. Is he signed for next year? Was he on the free agent list? I don't remember. I don't remember either. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's obviously well, a good a- source of information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But you know what I mean? Like, you get the quarterback signed. That helps. You know, Okay, now we know what the budget is for the rest of the team. because we. I think they signed uh, Van Zyl, too. That, that's floating around, I think. Is it really? Okay, that's good. That's yeah. good to see. Um, I did see something that, that Don Jackson and Sean Thomas Erlington had re-signed. And then but... Don Jackson's like, nope. <laughs> that didn't yeah. happen. So So what the heck? Yeah, but I, I literally it? saw a TSN piece that was dated December 27th, 2021. So unless they screwed up the date... Because I think those two guys re-signed with the Ticats for 2021 at the end of 2020. Like, I think right. late December is when they both signed one-year contracts. So unless they, someone buggered up the date on the article, then I could see that. But, I mean, I think Jackson's – but you know what? We'll, we'll get into who we want to bring back the next time we – because I haven't done – I mean, uh, clearly I haven't done any research for this episode. Um, I'm just shooting from <laughs> off the top of my head with some stuff. I think my my the point I was trying to make before we kind of got off track. I think they wanted to get the quarterback situation settled, and then it's like, the, okay, so we have the most important guy in the franchise. We know who that is. We know who we're riding with. Yes, it's only a two year contract, but let's be honest. Dane Evans wanted to be here. I don't see him going anywhere else. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. I think it could be. And if there's ever any sort of like contract certainty in the CFL, I think you'll see guys sign for three, four, five years, but. With the fact that they can just get cut at a drop of a hat, why does it matter how many years you sign for? And that's okay. and that's another discussion about like the one year contracts and all that. Like, every contract's a one year contract in the CFL, quite frankly, until they start putting in some guarantees and, and money. They have that set. You have your guy, the guy that's probably going to take up the largest chunk of your salary cap. Not not probably. No one else on this team is going to make three to four hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Now you can get to signing Jagger Davis, Chris Van Zyl, like you said whatever receivers you want to bring back, the defense, all those guys. Now you can start to, to you know how much money you have, and then you can prioritize the guys that you want to bring back. And then, obviously, we go into free agency in, a, in less than a month and see how they can improve the roster. But I think that's why we didn't see that flurry. Like, and not like and thing is, fans were, were ticked off. It's not like there were a ton of moves around the league. Like, yeah, we saw guys like Reggie Bagleton and, and obviously just recently uh, Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat resigned. But it's not like there was this like huge 
Like, oh my God, all these teams are re-signing all their star players, and here are the Ticats twiddling their thumbs. What the hell's going on? There hasn't been a, that many, at least from what I can remember, that many no. major re-signings. This, no. to me, is the is the biggest one probably after Willie Jefferson staying in Winnipeg um, that a team has made. So now that this is done, I think we'll start to see some of the other names come off the free agency board before we hit, uh, what is it, I think February 8th or 9th, I think free agency opens? Yeah, something like that. And, so, uh yeah, we see this every year from Ticat fans, yeah. and uh, we, we talked about it before on this show. But um, do you think not to cut you off? Do you think uh-huh. that because of how late the season ended, it kind of pushed everything back? Yeah, like, I think people story. forget that. Like the season ended in mid-December. Usually, the mm-hmm. season's over three or four weeks before that, and I think that that kind of changed, especially when you get to the Grey Cup. It changed everything. Like if you were if you're a Winnipeg fan, are you not sitting here like sweating bullets that your MOP quarterback's not signed yet? And yes, I know we talked about the fact that he's probably almost guaranteed to stay, but he hasn't. He hasn't signed a contract. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I haven't seen the the bomber fans freaking out about that. But maybe maybe they are. Maybe you know we just see you know because we're Ticat fans, we see and the we get, stuff and we get more. the the tweets our yeah. way because of it and yada yada yada. Right. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know what you're saying. There. But I, I'm not worried. I don't think we ever really worry about that kind of stuff. Uh, they're working behind the scenes. They'll make the signings. Everything will be okay. We'll bring back, you know, who we need to bring back, and uh, we'll go from there. And there was, a, again, not to, we're going to get in more in depth in this next week. There was a change in the front office. They've made they've made some additions. They brought in Ed Hervey to help with this stuff. They've named Orlando Steinhauer the head of football operations. They lost Sean Burke to Ottawa. Like that changed things too. So mm-hmm. there's been some turnover in the, in the front office staff for the first time. in, I mean, since Ken Austin left, like, you know what I mean? Like it's been a couple of years yeah. since there's been any sort of major upheaval. So, and even Ken Austin leaving wasn't major upheaval because Sean Burke was still there. Drew Alamang was still there. They're still doing like, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's not as if like everything got blown up. This is the first time that they've, they've had sort of this, exit exodus of, of a mm-hmm. major person in the front office in a long time. So that might've changed how the team was dealing with stuff because you bring in Ed Hervey, cause like Orlando Steinhauer is the what, vice president or head of football operations or whatever the title is. He doesn't have any front office experience. So you bring in Ed Hervey, he's probably doing most of the heavy lifting, you know, like I know yeah. you got in a lot of trouble uh, online with some people uh, saying that pinball, who'd you call, you called John Murphy. The, the the GM the GM yeah. and people are like no he's not he's the vice president of this or that or the other mm-hmm. pinball's the GM and it's like oh Jesus Christ it's semantic including pinball. from like f- former players in the in the yeah. league like, remember it was Khalil Carter or something yeah. but yeah you know that he was making all the signings and and you know doing yeah. all that stuff pinball's there because he's pinball exactly um but that's okay people can think what they want yeah no no but I'm just saying like maybe Orlando Steinhauer runs football operations. But he's deferring this stuff. He's an X's and O's guy. He's a coach guy. He's deferring this stuff to someone like Ed Hervey, who has championship GM experience. Why would you not lean on him to try to build a roster for you? You know what I mean? Like, you don't bring him in as an assistant general manager or whatever his title is to not utilize him. So there was that. There was all those changes. I think that – I think by – I don't know if we're going to get any major signings by the time you and I sit down next week to do another one. But it wouldn't surprise me if there's a name or two that kind of come off the board. And obviously, guys are trying to. We, I just saw a tweet today. Nikola Kalinic is working out for some NFL teams, so mm-hmm. you also got to give guys the opportunity to do that as well. And I'd love to have Nico, Nikola Kalinic back, but if he gets a chance to play for the you know Seattle Seahawks or Washington Football Team or whomever, 
I want to see guys succeed there too. So we're in that sort of gray area. Free agency hasn't started yet. How many times have we seen free agency start and guys were like, oh my God, they haven't signed Ted Laurent yet. And then two days in, it's like, oh, Ted Laurent resigned. Like guys want to play here. Guys love playing for Orlando Steinhauer. They've been to -to back-to-back Grey Cups. It's it's a successful on-the-field franchise. You hear nothing but good things about how the the franchise treats the players. Yes, guys are going to get get more money elsewhere and and leave. That's going to happen. We're going to lose some quality players. But I think the the freakouts that we see from fans every winter – it needs to stop. It's it's, yeah, it's a you, everyone. You, it's the same group of people. They do it every single mm-hmm. year, and then every single year by mid January, we're back in the same boat. And it's like, why were you guys freaking out? But yet, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of funny though. It it provides a little bit of entertainment. And you know, I, I will say that the addition of Ed Hervey is is a welcome one. I mean, this guy. We talked about this before, like you know, off. Um, yeah, we texted when, about it when we saw the announcement. Yeah. Uh, he should be a, a GM, and he should still be. Still be Edmonton GM for crying out yeah. loud. Yeah, for sure. So to have him <clears throat> in the fold as an assistant GM, to have his football mind is uh, is a great thing for the Tiger Cats, and I expect big things. Yeah, and what guys could he lure from places he's been before? He was exactly. a general manager in BC. Could they lure Brian Burnham to Hamilton? He was mm-hmm. the general manager in Edmonton. Who would you like to see? Like. You don't know who guys want to play for. It's the same thing, but I say that it's the same thing with Berkey going to Ottawa. What tie cats players are like, I love Berkey. I'm going to go to Ottawa with him because I yeah. trust, you know what I mean? So maybe That's we true. lose some, some, some solid guys there too, but you bring in an Ed Hervey, who can he bring from the teams he's been to that guys love him. So it's, it's the way the league goes. I, I was, I was bummed out when I found out that, that Berkey took the job in, in Ottawa, but I'm happy for him. But now I hate him because he's on the enemy. So he's on the red blacks. Yeah. He's uh he's, he's dead to me as far as I'm concerned, but uh, <laughs> I wish him nothing but the best of luck. And uh, I hope uh, they don't win any games, but that's uh, how I feel about anybody. But there's a ton of news that we got to get to. I just wanted to get, to, I think the Evans news, this was only supposed to be about the gray cup, but I think the Evans news was just so huge. And I didn't want the episode to be a complete downer. I thought maybe let's talk about some one good thing, and that Dane Evans coming back. You saw as soon as they announced, what was it Wednesday night? I think they announced that he was officially re-signed. He put mm-hmm. out like an Instagram story about being in Hamilton, and that kind of got the everyone's juices flowing. Like, oh my god, is he back to sign? And then the Tie Cats a couple days later announced that he's here. It's been universal praise. Have you seen any single person be like, oh my god, what are they doing? How do, how dare they sign him? I haven't seen it. Have you? No, I haven't seen it either, but. Uh... You know, let's see how, you know, he's a starting quarterback now. So mm-hmm. um, there, there has to be a hate on for him, right? Eventually, like, there has point. to be the, that backup has to be better than him. But uh, no, but at this point, yeah, I see every Ticat fan that I've seen is uh, pretty damn happy about this move. Yeah, and it speaks to what Evans has done with the team, how he's ingratiated himself to the community, how he's ingratiated himself to the city. And, I mean, it helps that they've been playing winning ball since he's had a chance to mm-hmm. get on the field. So that doesn't hurt either, right? Like, you win yeah. football games, fans are going to be happy that you're sticking around. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, He is uh, uh, proven like he, he he hasn't been a starting quarterback necessarily. He's been a 1B, but you, you just know that this guy's going to have success uh, being the number one guy for real this time. Yeah, I mean – like I said, the team's 12-6 and six in his 18 starts. If he wins two out of every three games he starts for the rest of his career with Hamilton, mm-hmm. I'm A-OK with that. If we're winning 12 yeah. games every year like like the Stampeders did, you're going to win a couple of great cups in there at some point. So yeah. give it to me. Just give me one. Just yeah, give me one. I, I'm with you too. I'm with you too, buddy. Uh, OK, uh, we will be back, like I said, 
Uh, sometime next week, we're going to do, we decided to break it up and we're going to do a bunch of the news that we've missed over the last month. Uh, and hopefully there'll be some other signings that the Ticats will have made that, uh, or trades or, or player acquisitions of some sort that can get us, uh, get us talking about some other good stuff with the Ticats as well. So uh, that was Podski Weave for this week. But Mike, let me ask, was this good for you? Did this, did this exercise the demons from the Grey Cup? Yeah, it did a bit. You know, it's good to to talk about it. Um, you know, this is like the, the you know the the nail in the coffin. You know what I mean? Like it's okay, it's done now. Season's over. Let's move, move forward. Yeah, we've signed our starting quarterback, our future quarterback. Yeah. Now it's just uh, you know move forward and uh, let's get back there next year. Yeah, twenty and zero. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sure is that... it going to be your prediction every year now? You're doing the. I no, uh, I no, I won't. I, I honestly, yeah. I honestly won't. I think, I think this last year with how they struggled maybe humbled me a little bit. Yeah. I still stand by my my belief that they could have gone undefeated. And in, in... if they, everything would have went right, maybe if they would have, I think we underestimated the uh, you know the new guys on the offensive line that really screwed us over this year. You know, I underestimated how good I thought Winnipeg would be in the first game. Well, yeah, I under I, I thought I think I said the Bombers were going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, and they <laughs> so. were by far the best team in the league. Like it wasn't even close. Yeah, by far. Yeah. Like, and that's the other thing about as as good as that Grey Cup was, and as close as it was for for Hamilton. Ultimately, the best team did win, and mm-hmm. like, yeah, they took them to the wire, and yeah, they had a lead and all that stuff. It's not like they lost. It's, this is not to me like when Calgary lost to Ottawa in Toronto a few years ago where it's like, I don't care what the final of the great cup said. Calgary was the better team. And had Hamilton won this and Winnipeg fans been, look, they won the championship and all that. If bomber fans, cause I still think about 2019 Ticats were the better, were the best team in 2019 great cup championship or not. I don't care if bomber fans had said the same thing. Like the Ticats won the great cup, but the bombers were the better team all year. I wouldn't have argued that the bombers were the best team in the CFL last year. And it wasn't particularly close. So for, and how often do we see in football where the best team doesn't win? So for the Bombers to actually win, yeah, I hate the fact that it happened, but the best team won, and that it takes a little bit of the sting away from it for me because it's not like they got beat by some, like it's not like Edmonton came in here with a you know six and eight record right. and won the Grey Cup. You know what I mean? It's not like the uh, Ottawa Roughriders back in the day when they were four and fourteen and almost yeah. beat the and almost beat the, the like unstoppable Edmonton's. Edmonton juggernaut. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. There's at least a little bit of like, okay, but like you said, this is, we, we have now closed the book on 2021. Dane Evans re-signing is opening the new book on 2022, and now it's full steam ahead to 20-0 in a Grey Cup championship in Regina. But no, to answer your question, I won't be, I won't be making that prediction. I don't know if we'll ever see, legitimately see a team go, I, I hope they go 18-0 and then 2-0 in the playoffs, but I mean, how many times in football history in professional football, have we seen a team go perfect in the regular season? Three? I, I, yeah, the 18, Dolphins. The Dolphins, the Patriots, and the 48 Stampeders are the only ones yeah. I can think of. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure that there were, you know, undefeated teams when the NFL was in its nascent days, in like the 1920s, 1930s, but mm-hmm. I can't be bothered to go look that up. But no. I just think 18 games, it's it's way too hard with injuries, with how how close how every often team is. you play the same team too, like That's beating teams it. like three or four times is just yeah. wait, it's very difficult. It's it's very hard. So 
16 to 2, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to see how the roster looks. I can't be making predictions mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, we, don't, we'll get, we, we have we'll one player there. that we know for certain that's coming back next year. So that's all you need. Really, need is Dane. All you need <laughs> is Dane. Does, he'll play 1v11 and uh, he'll just throw the ball to yeah. himself like Mr. Perfect. And boom, there's a wrestling reference for the episode. And now we can get out of here. That was Podskewer for this week. I am Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat him raw. Eat him raw. <laughs>